Well, I want to remind you of a statement that I made last week, and I want you to embrace it, and I want you to hear it with your heart. I will not rise to the level of my dreams. I will fall to the level of my patterns. Man, don't miss this. Don't miss this truth, this reality, this amazing idea. I will not rise to the level of my vision, to the level of my dreams, to the level of my purpose or calling, but I'm going to actually fall to the level of my patterns. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Omar about this, and there was a statement in the military that he learned, which was, we're not going to rise to the occasion in war. We're actually going to fall to our level of training. That's why if you've ever seen these unbelievable trainings of Navy SEALs or things like this, the, the whole purpose of this super intense training is because when you get into battle, you're not going to rise up to that level of intensity. You're actually going to fall back down to the level of your training. And so this is why this matters so much. So I love dreams. I love visions. I love preaching destiny. I love, I love preaching about God's purpose and God's call and God's will on your life. I love it all. But at the end of the day, I'm not rising to that. I'm, I'm falling to my daily patterns. The dream inspires the man, but it is the pattern that sustains the dream. The dream inspires the man. But it is the pattern that actually makes the dream come to pass. So the Bible is not a book of destiny. I'm just giving you a little bit of uh, overview and review of what we talked about last week because I, I, I don't want you to miss these, these big statements. It's not a book of destiny. It's a book of decisions. Yeah. It's the daily decisions that determine Destiny. So patterns, they matter more than desires, more than moments, and more than seasons. So now let's go back to our foundational scripture. Book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 40. And God tells Moses, make sure to make everything according to the pattern. According to the pattern. Those four words, according to the pattern. Let's all say those out loud. According to the pattern. If you're online right now, can you just jump in the chat? If, you, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, come on, throw it in the chat. According to the pattern. I have shown you here on the mountain. So here's what I want to talk about today. Here's the title of my talk. Moving from moments to patterns. Moving from moments to patterns. Here's another way I could say it. Maturing from moments to patterns. Growing up and leaving moments and entering in to patterns. So instead of thinking about life as a few great moments, let's create great patterns. Yes, Don't live for the moment. Don't live for moments. Moments come and go. The bad ones come and go, and the good ones come and go. Instead, create patterns. Uh, man, I had a great weekend. I had a real kind of mountaintop weekend this last weekend. But you know what? I got home, and I was tired, and I was exhausted. And you know what I did? I grabbed the fam, and I said, we're going to dinner. Because that's a pattern. That's a good pattern to just get with the family. And I didn't just go home and 
just kind of go sit on the couch and veg out and kind of go into like a, a like a yeah. weird lull or depression after being on a mountaintop, which can happen a lot of times. I got I got right back into a pattern because that's what we do on Sunday nights. And I didn't want to lose that. So we got a flight home. Um, I was traveling with Eliel, didn't even wait to say bye to him. I ran <laughs> off that plane. We were kind of in different. I, I happened to be in first class. Thank God for the upgrade. Eliel was in no class. But I didn't even say bye to him. I took off. I jumped in the car. I ran home. I grabbed my family. I said, let's go eat dinner. Because it's, it's a pat, not just a great moment, but pattern. See, it's, it's been said that successful people do regularly what unsuccessful people do occasionally. Successful people do regularly what unsuccessful people do occasionally. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to just preach. I'm not just like preaching about success. I want you to think about victory. I want you to think about taking ground. I want you to think about, about moving forward in your life. Yeah. What are you doing occasionally that you really need to be doing regularly? Mm-hmm. In your own life, in your own marriage, in your own walk with God, in your mental health, in your faith. What are you doing right now occasionally? That if you would begin to do regularly, would absolutely change your life. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about patterns. And I just want to remind you of that statement one more time. You're in patterns right now. You're in them. You're already in them. The the seasons come and go, but it's the patterns. It's the cycles. It's the daily decisions that sustain. So we're already in them. I'm just asking you to change some patterns. So, okay, so we're talking about moving from moments to to patterns, maturing from moments to patterns. And um, I, was, I was processing this with Omar last night and he said, why don't you just share some of your patterns? Just share some of those things that have like shaped your life. And he said five or seven things, so I'm gonna give you five. Because <laughs> if I do seven, we'll be here for seven hours. But, but I, I, did, I, started, I started processing like, okay, what are some of my patterns? Uh, I was laying in bed last night with my wife. I said, what are some of my, what are some of my good patterns? Do I have any good patterns that like, I could talk about? Uh, but I really did. I, I wrestled with it this morning, and, and I, I just came up with five, and here's, here's the first. The word and prayer. The word and prayer. Jabin, what's one of your sustaining patterns? The word and prayer. The word and prayer. We built our church off of this. We built our church off of Acts chapter 6, when the apostles get called into a dispute in the church, and they said, all right, we need to raise up leaders, deacons in the church to handle this dispute, because we must focus on the word and prayer. And that needs to become a sustaining part of your life, the word and prayer. Think about Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 105. There's that many verses in Psalm 119, (laughs) the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Think think about that. There's just enough light for the next step. I've said it like this. It's It's not some massive, huge, beaming light like, like the Luxor Hotel that you can see from space. That's not what the Word of God is. The, the Word of God is, it's right here for today, yeah. for, it, for your next step. Yeah. If, if, if David was in 2023, he would have said, thy word is like my iPhone. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just enough yeah. 
for right here and right now. Here's the point. It's, it is a daily thing that I need. Not a, I got my word for the next 20 years. Nope. I need my word for today. The manna was only good for the day. They couldn't store the manna. They had to, they had to eat every day. The word of God, the manna of God, the bread of God is a daily it's the daily decision. It's the daily pattern to go to the word. And what happens when I get in the word? John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prays to the father, sanctify your people. All right. How does that work? By the word. The word sanctifies us. So sanctifies is the big church word that we don't really use outside of church, but here's all it means. It means to separate from one thing and be dedicated to another thing. Sanctification, to be sanctified, is to separate from one thing and be dedicated to another thing. In the, in the truest definition, it is to be separated from profane things and dedicated to God. When you get in the word, the word starts to separate you from the profane and it starts to dedicate you to the holy. And it only happens by the word, not by desire. Remember, we're talking about patterns here, not just by desire. Oh man, I really want to live better, man. I really want to get free from that thing, man. I really want to, no, no, no. It's the word that sanctifies. What the word does, it, it begins to separate me. It begins to tear me away from the profane and then it begins to, it begins to dedicate me to God. Listen, if you reject God's word, you will reject God. If you reject God's word, you will eventually reject God. You, you must hold the word of God at a very high standard in your life because it is going to sanctify you. All right, now here's another passage on the word. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. And the father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. I don't know if you've ever read verses like this and you're like, yep, next. <laughs> like, I can't, I don't, know what, I don't know what Jesus is talking about, but I ain't, I ain't trying to have this in my life. No, no, no. Read it in context. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that we will be even more fruitful. Now, you're already clean, you're already pruned, you've been already cut because of the Word. Yeah. Wait a minute. That's not how I grew up. I grew up when you were suffering. Oh, God's pruning you, brother. Got in that car wreck. Oh, man, God's, everything happens for a reason. No, they ran the red light. That's the reason. You were texting and driving. That was the reason. Oh, you know, brother, that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. He actually doesn't. He actually doesn't work in mysterious ways. It's, it's actually a book of, of covenant. It's actually very clear. Oh, God, you know, you never know with God. You actually always know with God. Can, can, you, can you catch this? So, oh, man, God's pruning me, man. Oh, man, I lost my job. God's pruning me. I don't think so. I, I actually think that God cleans us by the word I've spoken to you. If you don't want to be pruned, don't get in the word. But if, but if you want to be cleaned, if you want to be cleansed, if you want, if you want to be sanctified, you must be in the scripture. So God does not 
purify and sanctify by calamity. Never forget that. By destruction, by sickness and disease. God purifies and sanctifies by the word. Remain in me, here's verse four, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm just talking about patterns, the word in prayer. The word in prayer. So, so what the word does is it increases my faith. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so as I read the word, faith grows. But now prayer builds grace in my life. It releases grace in my life. So, so the, the word is the structure of the vehicle, but prayer is the fuel and the oil of the vehicle. And you got to have both. So if you're walking around with a tank of gas and a couple of bottles of oil, you're going to be weird looking. <laughs> but if you walk around, if, but if you have a car that doesn't have oil and gas, it's going to be ineffective. Yeah. You got to have them together. Yep. So, so the word is my structure. It's my covering. It's my safe place. It's my, it's the rock on which I stand. But then it's the oil that actually gets the car moving. Oh, how, do, how does prayer in, how does prayer increase grace? Second Corinthians chapter 12. I prayed three times, God, take this thorn from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. So when I prayed, God gave me grace. When I prayed, God gave me grace. And you'll never have grace without prayer. You'll never have grace for your marriage. You'll never have grace for your kids. You'll never have grace for your job. You'll never have grace for your calling because it's the fuel that keeps that it's the oil that keeps the thing moving and not locking and seizing up i, I love i love mark 14 39 Whoa, i love this scripture it's a it's a scripture about jesus now there are 29 times that jesus prayed in the bible which is amazing think about that jesus prayed 29 times in scripture. there are 29 accounts of jesus praying i think we ought to pray if jesus prayed i think we ought to pray <laughs> But in one of them, it's Mark 14, 39. It says this, again. Everyone say, again. again. One more time, say again. again. Throw that in the chat if you can, please. Again, again, again. Look, look at this. Again, he went away and prayed. That's all I want you to see. Again. He went away and prayed. Yep. How about that kind of testimony for your life? Oh, yeah. there they go, praying again. Here he goes, talking again about God. Here he goes, talking again, again, again. It was like Mark goes, man, every time I turn around, Jesus is praying again and again and again. I, I love Luke chapter four. The scripture said he went into the temple as was his custom. It was just his lifestyle. He prayed. He went to church. He read the Bible. He just, it was his custom. He didn't do it occasionally. He did it regularly. David had a pattern of prayer. So not only did Jesus have a pattern of prayer, but David had a pattern of prayer. How about uh, Psalm 63, verse 1? Oh God, you are my God. Early, I will seek you. Early, I will seek you. There's a principle of prayer in the Bible of early morning prayer. Because it's quiet. Because your mind is fresh. And because you, you can receive at a different frequency. And, and here's what I would just say. 
I've taught this for years. You got to have a time of prayer and a place of prayer. And I really felt like the Lord gave me this scripture to kind of help you find it. And it's, it's Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Here's, here's what I want to say. When can you find God? That's when you should seek the Lord. Is it in rush hour traffic? Probably not. Now, I think you should worship God in your car and have moments of prayer in your car. You can encounter the Lord in a car. Absolutely. But you're weaving out of traffic. You're getting cut off. You're, I, I, you know, you got Siri talking to you, telling you where to go next. I, I don't think that's the time to seek the Lord. When is it? When can you find God? Yeah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I think there's a place for you that you've got to discover and define where you connect with Jesus. We're talking about patterns. We're talking about we're moving from moments to patterns. Oh, man, Jay, in a couple weeks ago, man, you called all the men down at the altar. We need more of that, man. That was a moment. It was. Love moments. Big, big moment guy right here. But I can't, but I don't live there. I live in the patterns. Here's another pattern. Forgiveness. This is a pattern that I have in my life. I have, a, I have a pattern of forgiveness. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a moment. It is a process and it is a pattern. Forgiveness is a moment, a process, and a pattern. It's all of it. Remember, I don't know if uh, you remember this in Luke 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they go, can you just teach us how to pray? We don't know how to do this. <laughs> We're no good at prayer. Can you teach us how to pray? So he responds with the Lord's Prayer, right? Well, part of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11 is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Think about this. Jesus goes, here's going to be a part of your daily prayer life. God, I let go. Every day? (laughs) I don't know. Jesus knew something about humanity. God, I let go. Lord, of the bitterness that I know I have and the bitterness I don't even know I have. The offenses I know about and the offenses I don't know about. God, I I just forgive me and I forgive all those who have sinned against me. Those I know about, those I don't know about, those that the the issues that I know are there and the issues that I don't know are there. God, forgive and I forgive. Um, There's the great pastor. He pastored the largest church in, in the world. A million members in Seoul, South Korea. His name is uh, David Young Cho. And he was talking about prayer. And he was talking about forgiveness. And he said, I forgive every day because I hate people every day. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Cho, keep it real. The pastor of the largest church in the world. He went, guys, I got to forgive every day because I hate people every... Man, I love that. I just, I got to be honest with you. I love it. So it's a, it's, it is a, it's the moment of, I forgive, I let go. But then it's the process of, oh, I thought I was free, but okay, guess I'm not. Okay, let go again. And then it's the pattern of, I forgive every day. Because I hate people every day and I don't want to hate people every day, but it, but it's in me and I don't want it to, I don't want it to grow in me. So I forgive every day. I forgive every day. Joseph talked about forgiveness In Genesis 41, verse 51. Genesis 41, verse 51. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God made me to forget all of my trouble and all of my father's household. Mm -hmm. 
that, that word Manasseh literally means to be fruitful and a cause to forget. Joseph thought back on his life. He thought back on the pain of his life. He thought back on the, on the bitterness and the pain that his brothers put him through. And, and I want you to see the pattern. No, I'm going to be fruitful and I'm going to forget. Yes. Can, can I forgive and forget? Well, you can't forget like in the sense that it leaves your mind. You can never forget on that level. But you can forget on the level that it no longer is this deep wound in your soul. Where you actually look at your life and you go, I'm fruitful. Because God's actually caused me to forget my troubles and the, and the pain of my father's household, the pain of my brother's rejection. So I can be fruitful in my forgetting. Doesn't mean it left my mind. It means it, it, I've, I've uprooted it from my heart. I forgive every day. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, they say that the average adult American will experience seven major transitions, relational transitions in their life. The average American uh, adult will experience seven major relational transitions in their life. Seven. And they say that the average American pastor will experience seven a year. And some of those are really painful. Some of those are like, oh my God, someone just split the church and, you know. But some are just like, oh, they just moved on. Yeah. And, but you know what? All of them hurt. Right. All of them cut deep. All of them are weird. All of them are awkward. All of them are, ugh. So an employee could, could resign and it's weird. An employee could, it could be fired. It's weird. Someone could leave town fully obeying the will of God for their life. It's still painful. And so every day I got to go, Lord, keep me fruitful, not bitter. And maybe you're, maybe you're in one of those right now. The Lord will cause you to forget. In other words, he will uproot the pain from your heart. All right, number three really leads into this, positivity. Positivity, I love this, positivity. You can create a positive pattern for your life. Positivity. God asked Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11, Jeremiah, what do you see? How do you see life? How do you see life? So I, I want to ask every person here, how do you see life? If I, if I look at this room, watch this, through this filter, this room is very dark, it's very small, I'm getting very claustrophobic. But, but there's so much beyond this filter. Hey. If I grab my wife's uh, glasses and put them on, everything would get blurry because we have a different filter. What's your filter? If I put on my sunglasses, they're around here somewhere, this room would get real. Everything would change about this room. What's your filter? Jeremiah, what do you see? How do you see? How do you see life? Do, do you see it as the, ha the, the glass is half empty? Do you see it as people are always against you? Do you see yourself as a victim? Do you see yourself that way? How do you see, how do you see God? 
Remember the guy in Matthew 25? I knew you were a harsh man, he told Jesus. I knew you were a harsh man. No, he wasn't. But it's how he saw God. Jesus is walking around throwing out bags of gold to people. I knew you were a harsh man. What? (laughs) I've never met anyone passing out bags of gold. But that's how he saw it. And how he saw it is how he experienced it. What do you see? Man, don't miss it. Man, please don't miss this. It is so easy to be negative. And you have to learn the pattern of positivity. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Elisha surrounded by the enemies of Israel. And his servant Gehazi comes to him and says, Master, we're in trouble. We're surrounded. Pray, do something. Fix it. And Elisha prays not for God to deliver them. He prays for vision. Does anybody remember? He said, he said Lord, open Gehazi's eyes. Open his eyes. Open my servant's eyes. Because he, he does not see life correctly. Lord, show him that there are more for us than there are against us. How do you see life? Do you see the enemy or do you see the angels of God surrounding your enemy? Do you feel surrounded or do you know that your enemy is surrounded? By the way, when God opened Gehazi's eyes, he blinded the eyes of the enemy. It's all about vision. What do you see? Remember 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2. Elisha asked the woman, what's in your house? Can you see anything in your house? Of possibility. Got this little jar of olive oil. That's all you need. You just have to see it. What do you see? Positivity. Abraham, see the stars and count them. See the sand and count it. Children of Israel, see the grapes of the promised land. Moses, see the pattern of the tabernacle. Children of Israel, see the snake on the rod and live. Elijah, see the cloud the size of a man's hand to break a drought. Disciples, see the wheat ripe for harvest. See the pearl hidden in the field. Father, see the prodigal coming home. Disciples, see tongues of fire falling on your head. One day in heaven, see the lamb upon the throne. See. See. See, we walk by faith and not by sight, absolutely. But as you mature, you can see by faith. Moses' mama holding him. And Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill every boy. And the Bible said, uh, book of Hebrews chapter, they saw He's no ordinary child. They just saw it different. Was Moses more special than everybody else? No. He was an angry, fearful, stuttering coward. But mama saw something in him. Can you see it? Positivity. Well, it'll lead right into the next pattern. Gratitude. These are things I live. I live this. I really do. I have my moments that aren't great, but I have a pattern of gratitude. Yeah. 
I really do. Gratitude makes what you have enough. <laughs> Gratitude makes what you have enough. It's enough. Because I'm grateful for it. Got to look at one of the famous passages on gratitude, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened when he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria to Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him 10 lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. So as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, watch this, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God. We're talking about gratitude. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And, and Luke writes this, and he was a Samaritan. <laughs> like, I don't even know where he learned that. He didn't even have the Hebrew Bible, but he just... So Jesus said... Didn't I cleanse 10 of y'all? There are 10. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Time out. Didn't Jesus say, go show yourself to the priest? And, and couldn't they have defended themselves and said, well, we, we, were, out, we, were, going, we were showing ourselves to the priest? No, no, you missed it. He was the priest. He's the high priest of our confession. Don't, don't go back to a dead religious system. Fall back at the feet of Jesus. Only one went back to the priest. Boy, I'm going to re-preach this text. Only one returned and gave glory to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. All 10 were cleansed, but only one was made whole. Wow. Let me tell you what that means. That means he got his fingernails back. He got his hair back. If, if, he, if he lost a finger, he got it back. If he lost the toe, he got it back. He got it all back. He didn't just get cleansed. The, the leprosy didn't just stop working. He actually got back what he lost because wow. he was brought back to wholeness. See, the other guys would have, they would have been cleansed, but they would have still been missing whatever they lost. One man was restored. That's what, because gratitude makes what you have enough. And let me remind you that unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude at all. Unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude at all. And I want to, I on every level, from expressing gratitude to God to expressing gratitude to your spouse to honoring your parents, to honoring your children, to honoring friends. Listen, write the note, send the text, make the phone call. Do an honor post on Instagram that isn't all about you. Show, show love to somebody else. Express gratitude. It, it does something. It does something. It does something. I'm just going to read a couple of these benefits of gratitude. This is from a, a doctoral thesis. They said, number one, 
Gratitude creates a happier you. Positive emotions, more aware and more awake, increase self-satisfaction and enhance mood. It creates a fitter you, stronger immune system, less aches and pains, optimum blood pressure and cardiac functioning, better sleep, and better sleep cycles. Think about this. And then it creates a better you, better communication, more empathy, stronger interpersonal relationships, because you become more self-aware when you're grateful, more likability among group members, 100%. If you're not grateful, we don't want, we don't want to be around you. More involvement as a team member. So gratitude creates a happier you, a fitter you, and a better you. Well, that, that, all, that, all that is Luke 17. just makes you whole. Gratitude. Lastly, lastly, generosity. Generosity. This is a pattern in my life. No one can serve two masters. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was a god in the Old Testament. And Jesus says that when you love money, you worship idols. When you love money, you worship idols. So, so here's the deal. Every time I'm generous, I prove that mammon is not my god. Hear me, every time I'm generous, I prove that mammon is not my God. I go back to that dinner Sunday night, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this to lose my reward or to... I'm saying this because I want to help you. And, not, and I understand also that not everyone can do this, but we're at dinner, and a, and a couple walks up to us and goes, Hey, Pastor. And so I go, Hey, you know, so we say hi. And they go, We're here celebrating our six-year anniversary. And immediately, this just little thing in me is like, you ain't paying for dinner. So I went, order everything. It's on me. Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. So we paid for dinner. Because it, it's just a little way for me to go, mammon, you ain't. I'm not saying everyone can afford to buy other people's dinner. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be insensitive to your situation. I'm saying in the moment I had, yes. I had, a, I had a moment where I could be generous or I could just go, oh, good guys, God bless you, you know. Right. See it, see it, church, you know. It's like, and, I, and I, I believe that would have made an impact in their life. I believe it would have been a blessing to their life. I, I know it was a blessing to the manager. The manager was like, what are you doing? You know, he was like blown away. Mm. Just, being, just being salt and light, just yeah. Yeah. not letting mammon win. It's just a way to be generous. Yeah. Uh, someone asked in my business, uh, I'm doing this business owner and entrepreneurship small group, and someone asked, can, can I be called to business the way that you're called to ministry? He said, because preachers are always talking about this like divine call they got, you know, the day they were called to ministry. And I said, yeah, and I, you know, I told them, I said, well, a lot of that's probably a little over-exaggerated, but... Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I remember, I, I feel like I remember the day I got called into ministry, so I believe in that for sure. But he said, well, can I be called to business? I said, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
I said, because it's all about gifting. It's actually not about a moment. It's about gifting. Uh, the gifts and call of God are given without repentance. So you can't tell me you're called if you don't have a gift. <laughs> so uh, the gifts and calls of God are given without repentance. I said, so you have a gift. That means you have a call. And I go, maybe you didn't have like this distinct God moment. And I said, well, maybe, and maybe this is it. I said, so number one, you have a gift because Romans 12 says you have the gift of leadership. Not everyone can run a business. That, that guy has 45 employees. I said, you got to have a gift. And you probably have the gift of generosity. You have this thing in you that wants to give. I said, so you're gifted, which proves you're called. Now, I want to blow your mind because we're talking about generosity. And I want to I help all of you that are watching that are not in ministry. You are. Let me tell you about the first person who was filled with the Holy Ghost yeah. in the Bible. Well, it had to be John the Baptist. Praise God, glory to God. No, it wasn't. <laughs> had to be Jesus. No. Paul, no. The disciples in Acts 2, no. Elijah, no. Moses, no. Adam, no. The first person recorded in your Bible that was filled with the Holy Ghost is in Exodus chapter 31. God gives Moses a vision for the tabernacle. And he says, I want it built this way. We've been talking about the pattern. This is literally the pattern. I want, you to, I want you to build it this way, and I want this gold here, and I want these rubies here, and I want this precious stone here, and I want this wood here. And Moses is going, I'm like a sheep herder at best. I am not a carpenter. I, I'm, not, I'm not an artist. I'm not a, I'm not a workman. How am I going to build this thing? And God says, I have filled this man. Exodus 31.3, I have filled this man with the Spirit of God. The first person who is filled with the Holy Ghost in the Bible is not a preacher or a minister. It was a workman. That's what they, a workman, a craftsman, a carpenter. I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works filled with the Spirit to create art, to do work, not to preach, to do work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in the cutting of jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Yes, you're called to business. Yes, you're called to do what you're doing. That man would have spent his whole life working gold and working stones and working good, uh, working wood and going, I wish I was called like Moses. I wish I could sing like Miriam. I wish I was a priest like Aaron. I wish I was a servant like Joshua. And he didn't know that before any of them got the Spirit, he's going to get the Spirit. Oh, my God, I feel this. Why? To build God's house. To build God's house. Now, I'm not against the blessing of the Lord. I'm not against drive your car, live in your house, hang on your boat. I don't care. Like, I'm not against, I'm not against stuff. As long as stuff doesn't have you, you can have stuff. But here's how you know stuff doesn't have you. You can give it away. I'll give anything away. There, there are literally times that Shannon and I will be talking. She'll look at me and go, don't. 
because she knows. She's like, don't, please don't get any ideas. Just, don't, just not now. Just don't. And I'll be like, all right, all right. Because she'll, she'll see me working. She'll just see my mind. Like, we could give this away. We could sell this off. We could hand this away. We could. And she was like, bro, just easy. We've done a lot this year. Just stop. Well, yeah, it was yesterday, right? I think, yeah, yeah, yesterday we were talking about something. She goes, oh, no, it's not even. I said, all right, done. Because money doesn't have me. Mammon doesn't have me. Now, the generosity, though, the, 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 the gifting was for the building of the house. Well, now we go to the, we go to the new covenant, Philippians chapter one, verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray uh, for you with joy. Watch this. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Partnership. Everyone say partnership. partnership. Write that in the chat if you can, please. Partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Partnership. Paul called the Philippian church his partners in the gospel. Partnership. Yeah. They partnered with him. Yeah. And, and we know what that partnership was. It wasn't prayer. Mm -hmm. You go over to Philippians chapter 4 and he goes, you're the only ones who gave to me. You're the only ones who partnered with me. Yeah. And generosity has become a massive pattern in my life that has only created more blessing in my life. And don't, don't think of generosity as just like every once in a while you give if you re really feel bad or oh, it's the end of the year, miracle offering, I guess. I, no, no, begin a generosity, yeah. a, a pattern of generosity. Yeah. And now what can we expect from that? What can we expect when we tithe, when we give, when we sow? And some of you are watching this like, are you really talking about money right now? I really am, mid-year, here we go. <laughs> right in the middle of summer, we're talking about it. Well, are you guys really tightening up? It's the summer? No, actually, we're doing better than ever. So no one's after your money, okay? No one's after your money but the movie theaters and this culture. They're after your money. We're not after your money. Okay, so you can relax. We, I just went, I've not been to a movie in seven years. In seven years, I've not been to And I took Goldie to Mario. Shout out to Chris Pratt. Thank you for making a movie that isn't woke and shoving an agenda down my daughter's throat. So thank you for that. And we're not editing that. <laughs> so we went though, and I mean the pop, I don't even know. I don't, I had to refinance the house to buy popcorn. <laughs> so they want your money. Or <laughs> shout out, yeah, catch out refi. Um, okay, okay. I don't know what I was talking about. I just wanted to make that statement about being woke. Um, okay. So what can I expect now? from my giving? What can I expect from being generous? What can I, yeah, right in the middle of the year, I'm here I am talking about giving. I, I think a lot of you, you want to give, you just, it's like, man, how do I do it? Yeah, you're going to have to budget for it. You're going to have to maybe stretch your faith for it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit of a challenge, I, I, but I promise you there, there is blessing. Giving doesn't make sense till you give. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense till you give. It just does. I don't know how to say this. It doesn't make Giving doesn't make sense. You're going, you're going, Javen, I can't afford to tithe. And I go, you're right. Mm -hmm. You actually can't afford to tithe till you tithe. And then all of a sudden the windows of heaven op open up over your life. And God sees that he can trust you and he can see that mammon is no longer your God. And then more provision can roll in. I'm just telling you, this how it works. So now, now I love the tither's prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 13. This is what I call the tither's prayer. 
after they tithe to the house of God, God tells the people what to say. Think about this. God, God says, this is what I want you to say when you give. You shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. And I've also given them to the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've, I've removed, I've removed. I take that 10% and I remove it from my house and I put it into God's house. And, and, and Moses says, and when you pray, you tell God, God, I didn't sin. I, I, I honored you. I've not eaten any of it when I'm in mourning. I've seen a little retail therapy. No, tithe first. I don't, I don't ever go, hey, you no, know, Lord, we really need a vacation, so. No, no, no. I, my whole budget is built after the tithe, after. Nor have I removed it for any unclean use. I didn't, well, God, get, it's Christmas, so I got it. No, no, no. I'm just, and I know that might sound very insensitive to you. I get it, and I understand if you don't like what I'm saying, but I'm just telling you, I have built my budget around the tithe since I was 15 years old. Yeah. I'm 39. I don't know how long, 24 years. I've built my budget around God getting 10%. Well, easy for you to say. It, it, it is now. It wasn't. It just wasn't. It wasn't. It just wasn't. I don't know what else to say. It wasn't. But I did, and I didn't use that tithe for unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down. Now here's the tither's prayer. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. And when I tithe, I can then pray, God, look down from your holy habitation and bless me. Yeah. Why well, give to get? No, of course not. Give to give again. Yeah. Give to give again. And as God increases me, I get to give again. And as God increases me, I get to give more. Yes. Yes. And as God blesses me, I get to give more to the kingdom. Yeah. And more to the king. And more to the kingdom. It's not about give to get. I don't think that way. I just don't. And I don't think you should. I give to give again. But I know that as I give, you know, God, God put these verses in the Bible. He, he didn't say, hey, these are, these are like the really good ones, but you can't use them because, you know, I'd be selfish. No, they're in there. They're your promises. <laughs> they're from the Lord to bless your life. Not to be consumed by it, not to let mammon be your God. No, I give it away. I just keep giving it away. And I can't give it away fast enough. I don't know how else to say. I can't give it away fast enough. I'm not, and, and I'm not telling you to give to us. But you want to create a pattern? You're going to have to create a pattern of generosity. And if you don't like how I'm saying it, then find a church and be generous there. But please don't miss the pattern. And I get it. I get if you if this is too bold for you, you know, because most offerings in America are, oh, you know, the buckets are going to pass. No pressure. God bless you as you give if you can, but you don't have to. And that's it. It's like, wow, that's really empowering. No, how about let's build the kingdom of God. Let's 
let's build the church, man. Let's do something awesome for the Lord. And let's believe God for harvest. I think, you know, most, most offerings are given with an apology. I'm just not going to apologize for what the, for what the Bible teaches and, and for what the Bible promises. And again, I'm not promising you you're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be a, that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about provision. We're talking about the Lord. The Lord will supernaturally look down from heaven, from his holy habitation and bless you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Man, I love this little talk. And I love you, and I thank God for you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for spending your Sunday with us. Thank you for being a part of, of this house and of what God is doing here. And again, if you're local, or maybe you're just going to be in Vegas, uh, please come visit us, 845, 1015, 1145, every Sunday at Sierra Vista High School. And um, if you're a part of our online family only, then remember 5 p.m. is our new streaming time. And uh, so excited about that. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. And may the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.